Welcome to Journey Through the Bible with Joshua Smith. The Bible is the single most important book in history. It is the very words of God put on paper. In this podcast, we will walk through the pages of His Word as we seek to understand His message to us. In Isaiah 55, 11, God says, My word that proceeds from my mouth will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please, and it will prosper where I send it. As we study His Word, He will accomplish within us what He desires. That is our prayer. That is the journey. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to Journey Through the Bible. This is Josh. Hey, I am so excited that you are here with me and you've joined me for another episode of Journey Through the Bible. We are making our way through Matthew. We are in chapter 5, working our way through the Beatitudes. I want to thank you for being here. If you've not done so already, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast provider. Go ahead and share on your social media channels. Get the word out because we believe that as God's word goes out, God's word changes us. God's word makes a difference. God's word does not return void. He will accomplish what he purposes as it is proclaimed. And so that's exactly what what I want to do um, through this podcast is proclaim the word of God. And as we do that, he's going to change our hearts as we dive deeper into into scripture. Uh, As I said, we are still working our way through the Beatitudes. Today we are on the fifth Beatitude, blessed are the merciful. But before we dive in, I just want to, again, read over the Beatitudes uh, and then we'll we'll get, get going. Matthew chapter 5, verse 2. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now we've made our way through the first four Beatitudes. And and the first four Beatitudes really deal with how we relate to God in regards to our attitudes. Right? We've, We've talked about being poor in spirit, being people of meekness. Uh, mourning, and being people who hunger and thirst after righteousness. All of these have major focus on our view of God, how we view God, and our response to Him. The last four Beatitudes that we're starting uh, with this episode deal with how we relate to man in regards to our actions. So the first four, how we relate to God in regards to our attitude. The last four, how we relate to man in regards to our actions, right? We're being people of mercy, as we're going to talk about today. People who are pure of heart. People who are peacemakers. And people who are responding to persecution with the love of God. These are all actions towards our fellow men that flow from our attitude towards God that we learn about in the first four Beatitudes, right? So first four, attitude in relation to God. Last four actions in relation to to men. So today we are in blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. The word translated merciful, it's an adjective. uh, The defined noun of ones or persons. uh, So we would read that as blessed are the merciful ones. It's implied. 
But even though it's an adjective, right, it still speaks to a necessity of action. To be a person of mercy is to show forth an action of mercy towards a person or a people group. It can be defined as showing mercy or compassion, particularly towards the lowly. So in that, in that definition, we see that showing is an active phrase. And we also see another important aspect of mercy is, is that lowly. Now, lowly speaks to the disparity of power that often exists between the one showing mercy and the one receiving mercy. It does not mean a disparity in class or worth. When we show mercy, we are not better than the person to whom we are showing mercy. Rather, it is precisely from a position of humility and understanding the worth of humanity around us that allows us to be people of mercy. And to help us understand what mercy is, I think it's important for us to grasp the concept that mercy, and another word, compassion, are intrinsically linked. And so to talk, about, uh, talk a little bit about that, I'm going to go to Compassion International. They are ministry that uh, just around the world shows forth compassion to people in need, to people who are hurting, uh, to people in, in distress. And they define this interaction between mercy and compassion in this way, and I quote, The meaning of compassion is to recognize the suffering of others and then take action to help. Compassion is more than feeling concerned about someone in distress or caring about a person's misfortune. There is action associated with compassion, and that action is mercy, end quote. Now, I love that, the idea that mercy is the action of compassion. We can see that compassion is the emotional response. We see a need. We see someone in distress. We see someone who is in need, and we have this emotional response. That emotional response is compassion. And out of that emotional response comes the active response, which is mercy. So we see people in need. We have this emotional response of compassion. And that compassion drives us to act in mercy. We show this compassion to people in need, to people who are hurting, and to even people who are undeserving. And mercy, by its very nature, often is very undeserving. Mercy itself is often defined as us not receiving what we deserve. You see, God shows forth his mercy by, through Jesus, not giving us the punishment, which is eternal hell, that we deserve. We exhibit mercy to others when we show kindness, when they have been unkind to us, showing forgiveness when they have wronged us, and even as far as withholding what may be just to give them. I'm going to pull another quote from Compassion International, quote, mercy doesn't always involve grand moments or gestures, but it always treats the position of influence, authority, or power it acts from gently. Mercy makes room for others. Sometimes mercy means choosing not to complain to the restaurant manager when the service you received was lacking. That is the mercy of kindness. Sometimes mercy means not making it difficult for the person who offended you to apologize. That is the mercy of forgiveness. Sometimes mercy means correcting someone gently and not acting smug or vindictive. That is the mercy of grace. Sometimes mercy means helping a child escape poverty. That is the mercy of compassion. End quote. The tie between mercy and compassion is something we need to grasp in order to understand what mercy is. Now we look at mercy, we look at compassion, and we understand that all of that begins with God. The compassion of God is 
all throughout Scripture. He models it so perfectly, as we would expect from a perfect God, right? <laughs> uh, but he, he models compassion and mercy so, so well for us. Psalm 86 and 15 says this, But you, O Lord, are a God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Psalm 103, 8 through 14 says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. If you want a definition of mercy, that is it right there, right? He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. And this last part, this is, this is wonderful. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. He, he exhibits his mercy to us. The psalmist is saying here, he exhibits his mercy and gracious to, graciousness to us precisely because of our frailty, precisely because we are weak, precisely because we are undeserving. And that is why he exhibits his mercy and his graciousness to us. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 kind of even raises the bar a little bit. The ESV says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The New King James puts that verse in a different way. It says, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Wow. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. What, what, a, what a wonderful passage there, right? Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. They don't end. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Every morning when we wake up, He has new mercies to show us. And guys, here from, from now into eternity, He is going to continue showing us His mercies. He's going to continue showing us the depths and the riches of His love toward us. We can see this compassion in the life of Jesus. And I'm just going to share a couple examples for us to, to see. One is from Matthew chapter 20, uh, verse 29 through 34. And uh, Jesus and his disciples, they are, uh, they are leaving. And so uh, the, the Matthew says, as they went out of Jericho, a great crowd followed him. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent, but they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And stopping, Jesus called them and said, what do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus, in pity, touched their eyes. Now, I want us to see, uh, us to see that. And Jesus, in pity, right, he felt compassion. And out of that compassion, he touched their eyes. He acted in mercy. So we see this, this tie between compassion and mercy. Jesus in pity touched their eyes and immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. We can see this again in Mark 1, 40 and 41. And the leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. And then we see Jesus' response, right? Moved with pity, he felt compassion. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him. He acted in mercy and said to him, I will 
be clean. He felt compassion, and he acted in mercy. Matthew 9 and 36, when he saw the crowds, speaking of Jesus, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now we could spend a significant amount of time mining the scriptures for examples of the compassions of Jesus because it's all throughout the life of Jesus. The compassion and the mercies of God show through the life of Jesus. And really it's all throughout scripture. So we, we could spend a significant amount of time, but suffice it to say that it was foundational to not only Jesus' time on earth, but it is foundational to the very nature of God. Mercy is foundational to the very nature of God. So we see that the king has modeled this mercifulness for us. It is only appropriate on our end that we respond by walking in his footsteps. Right? Luke 6 and 36 encourages us. It says, be merciful, even as your father is merciful. Now, there are two stories in the Gospels that model not only model mercifulness to us, but also kind of give us a, a glimpse into what Jesus feels about mercy and how important he thinks it is for us to show mercy. And so the first story is of the unforgiving servant. It's a parable found in Matthew chapter 18, uh, verse 23 through 35. So I'm going to read that, um, and then we'll talk about it. Therefore, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to me to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, and here we go again, there's that, that compassion, right? Out of pity for him, he felt compassion. The master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Right? He acted in mercy. We see again there the link between the feeling of compassion and the action of mercy. Verse 28 continues, But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So the first thing I want us to see here and to understand is we see the disparity between the debt forgiven by the master and the debt refused to be forgiven by the servant. And no one is exactly sure of the amount. Some estimates have the servant's debt to the master as over a billion dollars. Whatever the exact amount, the idea is that it was an unpayable debt. This man could have worked every hour, every day for the rest of his life, and he would not have been able to pay this debt that he owed the master. Meanwhile, the debt the servant refused to forgive amounted to a couple months' wages. So, not, insignific not insignificant, but, but still doable. It, that, that is doable. That, that is payable. But the point is not the exact amount, but the point is the debt forgiven was realistically unpayable, while the debt refused was. Now, as we relate this to the debt God has forgiven us, when, when we read, hey, be merciful, 
Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. When we read, be merciful because your Father in heaven, or as your Father in heaven, is merciful. As we read that, we first must understand that nothing that we forgive, no act of mercy that we show, can ever compare to the mercy shown to us by Father God. No act of mercy can even come close to comparing to the mercy shown to us by, by the Father. And so, nothing comes close. But we also see the Master as the model for mercy. Right towards the end of that parable, where right, he brings the, the servant before him and he tells him, he says, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And then he says, you should have done likewise. Like, why did you not forgive the debt? I forgave you the debt. I modeled it for you. I showed you how to do it. I showed you what it means to be merciful. And yet you could not do the same. You see, we're not being asked to do uh, do anything that hasn't first been modeled by our king. We are not being asked to be people of mercy by a king who is not himself merciful. But rather, we are being asked, we are being told, we are being directed by our king. Hey, I want you to be people of mercy And we're being told by a king who has himself been merciful. He has modeled for us what mercy looks like. He has shown us what it is to be kind to people who are hateful. He has showed us what it means to forgive people who have hurt you. He has showed us what it means to extend mercy to people who don't deserve it. So our job, our role, right? Be merciful. Be people of mercy because our father in heaven he has modeled mercy for us he is merciful and so he wants us to be merciful as well the second story is in Matthew 25 now this is Jesus talking about the last days he's he's showing and he's telling the people that hey here's here's some of the stuff that's going to happen in the last days and so we join him in that discussion in verse 31 of Matthew 25 When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on the left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now the one thing I want us to see here is the actions that Jesus is commending 
the sheep for and condemning the goats for are actions of mercy. And I also want us to see how he ties in these these actions of mercy, these uh, lifestyles of mercy with righteousness, right? Mercy and righteousness, they're linked here, whereas unmercifulness and unrighteousness are also linked. So help us to see how important mercy is to Jesus. If it's that important to Jesus, what should it be for us? So what does all this mean for us? Right, Our king is merciful. Right? We have seen throughout scripture, we've seen in these examples that mercy is important to Jesus. It is important to God. We also see that he reigns over a merciful kingdom. He is a God of mercy and thus his kingdom is going to be a kingdom of mercy. And as he's describing the characteristics of his kingdom, for again, that is what the Beatitudes are. It is a description of the characteristics of his kingdom. He wants his people to be people of mercy. He desires his people to be merciful. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. We must understand there is no merit to mercy. We don't earn it. We don't work for it. And just as we didn't earn the mercy of God, we can't make others earn our mercy. That's not mercy. If we make others earn mercy or repay our mercy, that's not mercy. Timothy Keller says this, he says, Mercy and forgiveness must be free and unmerited to the wrongdoer. If the wrongdoer has to do something to merit it, then it isn't mercy. You see, mercy is mercy exactly because the one receiving mercy often does not deserve it. This may not be the case in in many compassionate offerings of mercy, but it often is the case in exhibitions of mercy through forgiveness. People have wronged you. They are perhaps unrepentant. Do they deserve my forgiveness? Do they deserve my my withholding of judgment? No. But yet I will be merciful. But still, I will show mercy. Regardless of the deservingness of the recipient, I will show mercy. We see also mercy is reciprocal. Here in the Beatitudes, Jesus says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. We see in the parable of the unforgiving servant that he refused to, search, uh, he refused to show mercy, and thus he was not shown mercy. And the mercy that was shown to him was recanted because he refused to show mercy. Guys, this, this is important. We, also, we, we see that same concept in the Lord's Prayer. Right? Jesus encourages us. He tells us, hey, pray this way. He says, forgive us our debts. Forgive us our sins. Forgive us our trespasses as we have forgiven our debtors, as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. That, that's a scary way to pray. That's a scary thought. That's a scary way to kind of uh, uh, think, think about this is, God, show me mercy as, as I have shown mercy. I'm not sure I could say that with confidence all the time in my life, right? But God is so, is so, or mercy is so important to God, right? And that, and that is what he's, he's telling us in these passages. It's what he's showing us through that parable. That is what he's telling us in the Lord's Prayer. Hey, this is really important to me, that you be people of mercy. And lastly, mercy demands that I act. 
regardless of the actions of those around me. Mercy demands that I act regardless of the actions of those around me. I'm not focused on what people are doing to me. I'm not focused on what people are doing around me. I'm not focused on the actions of my neighbors, of my friends, of my brothers. I can't control that. And thus, I control what I can control, and that is the way I act. What I can control is the way I act, the way I react, and the way I live out my life. And so mercy demands that I act, and mercy demands that I focus on me and my actions to others, regardless of what is being done to me. And that, that I want us to kind of put that aside and kind of put that in a side pocket because that principle is going to be really important when we come to the last beatitude. That idea of regardless of what, what people are doing to me, regardless of the actions of others around me, I will be a person of mercy. Can we say that today? Can we say that regardless of what happens around me, regardless of the actions of people towards me, I will be a person of mercy. I will forgive regardless of their nature. I will show kindness even if they have been unkind. I will share grace even if they are ungraceful. So God, I pray that you would help us to be people of mercy. Mercy is really important to you, God. We see this concept all throughout scripture of how you have shown mercy. And we've also seen how because you have shown mercy, you are demanding mercy from us towards others. So Lord, help us to be people of mercy. Help us to understand the importance of it and thus act out of hearts of mercy. When we see a need, help us to meet the need through hearts of compassion and through acts of mercy. Help us to forgive. Help us to love. Help us to express your heart to those around us. In Jesus' name.